The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, everybody. It's Kat Sadler, and this is It Sure Is a Beautiful Day. I've spent decades in TV broadcasting and conducted hundreds, if not thousands, of interviews in the span of my career. And on this show, the conversations continue. My goal is that every episode feels entirely brand new, but also like coming home. Let's get into it. Camilla, it is so wonderful to see your bright and shining and beautiful face. I wish everyone, I, that's the one thing about podcasts is it's like, yeah. oh, I kind of wish they could see your gorgeous fuchsia lip color. <laughs> Head to my Instagram. <laughs> oh, there it is. Um, well, thank you so much for joining. It sure is a beautiful day. Um, I feel like you're already bringing a little sunshine our way, but I always like to check in with people first and really just take a, a quick inventory of how are you? How are you today? Today, I am good. You know, I have, this is actually the first time that I've been like glammed up in a while. And I have a, you know, I I gave birth last summer. So I have a nine-month-old and a four-year-old. And I feel like I probably have stains on myself all the time. So today I feel like Camilla and not just like mom Camilla. So it's kind of nice. I'm like, oh, I can wear, I forgot what I look like with lipstick on. It's kind of fun. Um, and then I've just had some really nice press interviews today and everyone's been so great. So I'm having a good morning. Good, good. Well, how is, I mean, I have two myself, so I'm very yeah. familiar with the juggle. It's, yeah. it's different going to work when I knew you had the one, but then you had the two yeah. and you've got, you know, you got to be on. So it, do you feel like, ah, oh, it's kind of an escape to like go to work and do these things? Or is it almost a little bit of that conflict where you're eh, being pulled in yeah. both directions? It's hard. I think this time around is really hard because with Hayden, I went back to work after four months. So I felt like I had this nice period of time with her. With him, I think it was two and a half weeks. I was back on the job. Whoa. Um, yeah, it was really quick. Two and a half, maybe three. Mm. Um, I was definitely back COVID testing to begin the job, like after like a week and a, something crazy, like a week and a half. So this one was different. This one was hard because I felt like I... He was young. I felt like a lot. I did feel like the parent guilt of leaving him. And usually what happens is that, and this is what I would have done is I would have brought him to set and had him with me. So I didn't feel like I was missing out on those really early days when I was at work, but because of COVID, it kind of like Hmm. Top blocks, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Damn COVID, right? Yeah. it, It, um, I mean, I could have kept him in my trailer, but I didn't feel like it was 100% safe. You know, he was a newborn. I didn't want him to be around potentially many, many people. So it was really difficult. It was hard this time. Mm. And, and, and work wasn't necessarily the escape that it could have been when we're doing really fun story as well, because we were playing a lot of really heavy COVID storylines. So it was just a very different experience this particular season. And that's hard too when he's an infant because it's not like he's five or six and you can stay connected on FaceTime or check in in other ways. It's not like he really knows, but you know, that's got to be hard. It is. It's very difficult. And then I think it's hard because, you know, you have your nanny that you're handing him to and you're like, but I want to be with him. Can you go to work for me? And it's just, 
it's the mom pull, you know, it's the mom, it's, it's a, it's very, very difficult. Yeah. Well, you also, you know, have the, the rare, um, I guess, reality that you were pregnant during a pandemic. I mean, what was that like in reflecting now that at least you were kind of on lockdown and at home and growing this baby? Yeah. What was that experience like for you? Were you kind of climbing the walls or was it nice that you got to just be still? Well, I, people that follow me know this, I suffer from anxiety. So the combination of like growing a child, because we went down, I think, right as I went into my second trimester. So I, the experience of being pregnant during those early months of COVID was really terrifying to me. I know I was home, but it was really scary. was nice that I didn't have to work. That was nice. But um, there was so much unknown back then. I didn't really know if it could, you know, how, how much it would affect someone that was pregnant or the baby. And then of course the whole experience of being pregnant, just literally my husband no longer could go to any ultrasounds with me. So he was missing out on that experience. And then, you know, at some point in the summer, you know, I was having the discussion with my doctor about, will he even be allowed to be in the room while I'm giving birth? Because in New York, you know, people, women were going into labor and their husbands were not allowed to be there. And so that was, that was my deepest fear is that I would be doing it by myself. Mm. And then no one could visit, you know, in me in the hospital. And then even it occurred to me at some point, maybe like a month before I had read about someone giving birth in a, in a mask. And I have, I was thinking that doesn't happen. You can't, Nobody's giving, they're they're giving them like a rapid COVID test is what I thought. Like they must be having a rapid COVID test when they get to the hospital. And then they're of course not being made to, you know, (laughs) be in hours of labor in a mask. And no, that's what, that's what it was. And I remember, you know, having to, I I think if I hadn't given birth before, I wouldn't have been so intimidated, but I had remembered like the physical exhaustion for hours, you know? And I was like, how do you do that in a mask? Jeez. Yeah, because you know it's coming and you're like, well, hold yeah. up. It's hard enough yes. without that. And then literally being almost muzzled. Yes, there were lots of little... <sighs> Honestly, I came out of it feeling like I see other women walking around with their babies. And I'm like, you had a pandemic baby and you had a pandemic baby. And I feel this like kindredness with them. I feel like we all had this crazy experience together. So yeah, I feel like whenever he starts school, I'll be like, we all had babies. Right, (laughs) right. You'll have that. It'll be like a generational class thing with all the moms and all the babies. I mean, I honestly, I cannot imagine because you're right. I mean, the rest of us who were not growing a life at the time were already struggling and scared and unsure and uncertain. There's all that. And then you add the hormones in, you, you know, with. Yeah. And I just, I think for me, I was like, you know, the week that I had my first doctor's appointment being in the pandemic, I remember it was like on the news, like an alert. It was like when the mayor was saying, do not go outside, do not even go food shopping. Like this is the week to not go anywhere. And I was like, well, I have this appointment. And I remember just thinking like, I'm being not only you like growing this this person, but you're also being made to go out in a, in a situation that you didn't feel comfortable about because I was going to a doctor's office and I was going to be in an elevator and all these things I never thought about before. It was very intimidating. 
<laughs> Let it out. Breathe. Which brings me to the question. And you just mentioned, you touched on, on this, that you struggle with anxiety as yeah. so many people do. And yeah. we, as we are speaking today, we're still in, in the middle of Mental Health Awareness Month. Yes. So how do you deal with that? What are some of your practices? What are some of your coping mechanisms um, for people listening? Because you are certainly not alone. Well, I should like take it back and just like get very real with it because this is what happened to me. I did not suffer with anxiety ever before in my life. However, my mother passed away when I was, when I was 19, very suddenly she was young. She was 43. And Mm -hmm. I felt like I had dealt with that. And, and I was through it. I was, you know, I, I had handled my grief and when I had a kid, (laughs) I was unaware that all of these things would come up again for me. Mm-hmm. And so for me personally, my anxiety ended up being tied to the fact that I now had my own daughter and I was going to die early. That's what mm-hmm. it felt like. So I was in that, that was my personal anxiety that, but that I would get sick. I was, something would happen to me. And so I was super overwhelmed by it and shocked. And I felt like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I go to the mall? And just like, you know, I was like having panic attacks. And it was actually one of my cast members who said to me, you should, are you in therapy? And I was like, no. And, and they were like, are you kidding? <laughs> like everyone's in therapy. What are you doing? And, and it, it weirdly enough, it hadn't really occurred to me to go. Hmm. And so I made the appointment and I have been in therapy since. And I, it, by the way, I was in zoom therapy through the whole pandemic. And some things that have helped me are this, because mine is very based on, on me physically getting sick or ill or something like that's where I get, I don't know if anyone listening has that. And so one of the things that helped me is my therapist would say, has me say what else is true. And so for example, in the pandemic, I had really bad allergies. And so I didn't, but every other day I felt like, well, I must have COVID like that. I have COVID. So I would say my nose is stuffy and I would start spiraling. I could feel the spiraling. I could feel the tingling. I get this tingling in my body when I have anxiety. And I would say, okay, what else is true? I don't have a cough. What else is true? I don't have a fever. What else is true? I haven't been out. What else is true? Okay. I could catch it early. I could go take, you know, and so that what else is true really helped me. And the other thing that helped me was stop telling myself stories. I'm a storyteller. So I would say, oh my God, I'm, I have, I would say my nose is stuffy. I have COVID. Okay. I'm pregnant. I'm going to, and then I would just spiral that way. And so halting it and being like, it's a story. What's true in this moment? What else is true? Mm -hmm. And even the physicality of having anxiety my therapist has taught me to ask myself what part of my body is neutral. And it means like, what can't I feel that tingling in and to concentrate on that or that sniffly nose that I have where I suddenly feel like, Oh my God, now I have a sore throat and a headache and what part of my body is neutral. And this is funny, but it's always my butt. I never have like, I'm like, my butt is neutral. I don't feel anything. And to, <laughs> to start, like, I don't feel tingling or I don't feel a sneeze or a headache or, you know, and if I take that anxiety away from the physical part of my body that I feel like is, has a cut and it's getting infected or whatever. And I find the neutral part and I start to concentrate on the neutral part of my body. It shifts my attention away. 
I love all of that advice. I, I mean, and you're right. It's funny. Like I'm thinking of your butt now. I'm thinking that it's fine. It's yeah. neutral. I'm thinking your big right toenail doesn't exactly. feel. Exactly. Is this um, what it is for yeah. you? Because for me, if especially during COVID, I'd be like, okay, now I have a headache. Now I have a sore throat. And I'd be like, okay, where's neutral? And it's like my, I would concentrate on that neutral part. And then I would realize, actually, I don't have a headache, you know? I love you sharing that. Thank you for being just so honest. We talk a lot about mental health on this show and and we talk a lot about our therapists. So I'm glad that you're normalizing that. And some people just, it doesn't occur to them or how, where they grew up or who they know. It's a lot, you know, was your family ever going? You know, it's not always yeah. the first obvious choice for people. For me, same thing. I kind of went through a real, I, I hate to overuse the word traumatic, but a very painful breakup last year during the pandemic. And same thing, I discovered, I dipped in and out of therapy, but I did the virtual teletherapy every week for the last like 14 months now. And it really can be life-changing. And those tips that you're giving for the people who can't go or don't have access, listen to our show because you just gave like how many tips that we can all use (laughs) and apply. I'm like, what else is true? See, now I'm going to use that. That's fabulous to me. All the time. And you can do it for anything. Yes. Yes. That is really, really awesome. I'm glad you you kind of found your way to to manage that. You know, it is. Yes, about- I think that it. I think that also with anxiety or any sort of mental health, you know, issue or situation or anything, I, I feel like it's a flowing. It's it's a river, right? Like you're not. I'm not going to wake up one day with no anxiety ever. I'm learning to manage it, and it changes and shifts constantly. Mm-hmm. And so it's just navigating that and having the tools to navigate it. Things like that that are are super practical to me help me more than just talking about my feelings and how I feel paranoid. It's like, I can, I personally am really good with the practical mm-hmm. solutions mm-hmm. to my anxiety in the moment. And you touch on these, these voices, you know, the, the narratives we tell ourselves, the stories, the constant soundtrack and chatter in yeah. all of our minds often. And so many people are working against that and finding ways to quiet all of that. Do you have any other practices? Like, do you do yoga? Do you meditate? Do you write anything down or other ways um, that, that have served you? I like to swim. I'm lo- I, by the way, this is like, we have a pool and it's the first time in my life I've ever had a pool. So I realized that not everyone has a pool. For me, actually just getting in water, even a bath, calms me. I also like most of the world bought Glennon Doyle's amazing untamed book, which was really amazing to me. And I, I took the time to like read that in the bath and it, it helped me a lot actually during COVID, but submerging myself in water, like it helps me a lot. Yeah. That's a good one. And then you get to go to work and, uh, in the script, you know, people are dying left and right and having heart attacks and you know, yes. my gosh, You are on uh, one of, not on, you are an integral part of one of the most iconic television shows of all time. Um, (laughs) No big deal. No No big big deal. deal. Um, And and a lot is going on with your character right now. And admittedly, I'm a little little behind in some of the plot lines, but bring us up to date because I know Joe has two ex-husbands now. She does. She had a recent juicy hookup with Avery recently, yeah. not too long yeah. ago. They have what? a sex deal happening on the show. Yeah. It's a sex deal. Ooh. Sex deal. Well, yes, it's sex. They're going to use each other for sex <laughs> and company during the pandemic. 
Hey, I am so desperate. I might have to start to consider some type yes, of arrangement like that. Odd. <laughs> yeah, there you go. What do you envision or what can you tell us? Because I know that the diehard folks who never miss an episode will kill me if I don't get a little scoopage from you as to what is happening now or where you see Joe going on this journey, because this is really a kind of a new terrain for her right now. Yeah. The finale for Joe ends with her having a baby. She adopts baby Luna. And um, and she, the finale for Joe, as everyone will see, which I actually pitched to Krista Vernoff, is that I take over Jackson Avery's penthouse. I buy the penthouse from him and leave the loft. And I feel like it's very important for her because you've just been through a breakup. <laughs> she went through a very traumatic breakup. And she needed to like exercise herself really mm-hmm. of the past. And I feel like anytime she was sat in that loft, it was a lot of memories. And so I am so excited for her going into season 18. I don't know story for season 18. That's the truth. The writers, I don't even think they're back yet to, they're on a break right now. I don't think they're back yet to write it, but I love that she's making a new home for herself. I love that she has a daughter. That has been my number one thing for her for since day one is that she gets to create her own family. And it's this modern family for her. And she doesn't have a man by her side. And I love that. I love that she's she doesn't need that. She knows that she was supposed to do this and adopt this child. And so I can't wait to see Joe Wilson as a mother in season 18. Oh my God. All right, you guys, be honest. Do you ever feel like something's interfering with your happiness or you're just kind of stuck and melancholy and can't quite find the joy you once knew? We've all been there, me included. You know, I've talked about it right here on this show and I've talked about how therapy has changed my life. So listen, it can change yours too. I want to tell you about BetterHelp. BetterHelp isn't a crisis line or self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. At BetterHelp, you're matched up with a therapist, custom fit for your exact needs. The sessions are by phone or video, totally up to you. And you can even text a message to your counselor anytime and they'll get you a timely and thoughtful response. At BetterHelp, everything you share is, of course, totally confidential. It's convenient, affordable, and if you need some assistance, financial aid is available. I want you to start living a happier life today, you guys, and you don't even need to get in your car. As a listener of mine, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com cat. I really hope you'll join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that is betterhelp.com. H-E-L-P dot com slash cat. And you pitched it. That's, does that happen a lot where you go to the writers and say, yes, some, sometimes it does. I didn't, I didn't pitch the baby thing. The baby thing I knew was going to happen in my very first meeting at the beginning of the year. I knew she was going to change to OB and I knew that she was going to end up adopting a child. Um, I pitched that I took Jesse Williams' place. <laughs> Mom, I'll take it. You're like, let's upgrade the digs, okay? Yes, I was. That's what I pitched. I when I finally, finally heard for sure Jesse was going to go. Um, I was on the phone to Christopher Vernoff, and I said, I have this idea, and I said, and you don't have to build a new set. I was like, why can't you take 
the Jackson's penthouse and it's an upgrade for her and it's beautiful and new memories. And so, but it does happen. I have pitched things in the past. I have happened. I've definitely pitched things that definitely haven't happened. But for example, one thing I can think of is that in season 16, no, 15, 14. Oh my God. Hmm. Season 14, Joe ended up sleeping with Schmidt, the intern, and his glasses, glasses. I pitched it. I, I had a meeting with Krista right before she started back. And I said to her, I have this funny idea. Joe's single right now. She's on a breakup. She's going, to, you know, she's broken up with Alex. And why doesn't she sleep with some like nerdy intern that like lives in his mom's basement? And that is exactly what happened. Yes. Um, so it does happen on the show. Sometimes they really do kind of jump on our ideas. That is so fantastic. And I mean, talk to us a little bit about the fact, you know, we talk a lot here in Hollywood about, you know, the lack of women, especially in leadership, you know, directing and writing and all that. And you're, you're in the middle of the epiphany of the celebration of women and inclusion and diversity. I mean, Grace is known for that with Shonda Rhimes leading the charge and the showrunner, Krista, like you just mentioned, then of course, Ellen Pompeo and, and, and Debbie Allen. I mean, the list goes on, right? What is it like being in that energy and in that fold day after day? It's funny because I, you know, sometimes I watch behind the scenes of other shows or, you know, or, I mean, it hasn't happened recently, but I've been able to like go visit other sets, you know, filming something. But I am, I realized that, and this is really sad, but I am so used to so many women crew mm. in our sound and our camera, on our lighting, our VP is a woman, you know, Debbie Allen, our directors are, and, and, and so it's, I've become accustomed to seeing equality behind the camera, in front of the camera and diversity. And I realize that it's still not happening on other sets with other crews. So it, I am so grateful because even my when my daughter, she hasn't gotten to visit set recently, but when she did come visit, I was like, this is amazing. She's seeing a woman direct, mm. a woman here, a woman here. Like I want her to keep coming and seeing all of the opportunities that she could have. So yeah, working for Shondaland and working for Grey's Anatomy, I mean... I hope at some point it all looks like that, but I'm I'm very aware that it still doesn't. And I'm very lucky to be on a set that does. Gosh, that is so, so cool. And I understand that, taking it, taking it back just a little bit, that the audition for you, for your character on that show, almost didn't even happen, right? You were busy at Comic-Con or something, and then you got a second chance? Yeah, I was at Comic-Con. I had known Shonda because Shonda that early spring because I started in like July. So that spring I I had tested for a show for her called Gilded Lilies. It was between me and another girl and it didn't work out. She got the role. I did not. And I was so bummed. It was like the lead in the show. And I realized if I'd gotten that, I would have been contracted to stay in that. I never would have gotten on Grey's Anatomy. So it's like meant to be, but I was filming True Blood then. And then I went to Comic-Con for Tomb Raider and my agent said to me, Shonda just did auditions for the new intern class on the Friday. And I was a Comic-Con and I missed it. And they wanted me to come in and I couldn't. And I thought, okay, well, you know, I was a fan of the show. So I was like, ugh. And, you know, I'd just been with Shonda, you know, auditioning like in the spring. So I was really bummed about the opportunity to not audition for her again. And then I got a call like that Saturday on Sunday that they hadn't found the girl they wanted and they wanted me to come in. I came on the Monday, auditioned for with like five other girls. And then I heard the next day that it was between me and a girl in New York. 
And then on the Wednesday, I found out that they wanted me, but I did almost not get it. Yes. And, and honestly, if I'd gotten the, the other pilot that Shonda was doing, I wouldn't have gotten it either. So it all, yeah. Serendipitous. <laughs> Are you the type of person who auditions for something and you just have that feeling, that gut feeling like, oof, nailed it nailed it and just walk. I know you have to kind of leave it there, obviously, but did you have a good feeling that day? Well, I did, but I also knew because I was the first to go in an audition in the audition room. And they said, as I was walking out, they said, can you wait in the waiting room? And which is like the best sign as an actor. And then I watched one by one, all the other girls leave. And then they asked me to come back into the room. So I knew I was like, Oh, I think I was like texting at the time. My manager, like I'm waiting in the waiting room again. Um, So I knew that day, but I I feel like I had watched the show and I kind of knew the tone of the show. And so it's very helpful in that way. It's kind of helpful being a fan because you're, you're approaching your audition. You're like, I already know how this sounds. I know how this scene goes on the show, but yes, but sometimes I'm like, Oh, killed it. And I never hear ever again. (laughs) (laughs) I know that feeling in the hosting world, very similar. Oh, it's like, You know, you're part of this show that truly is, I mean, iconic. People throw that word around, but you're part of this show that is just, it's its ingrained in pop culture at this point. I mean, I remember the very first episode of Grey's Anatomy because my second son was two months old at the time. And I remember we had just, we had taken, this is a crazy story, but my family and I had decided it was a great idea to take a motor home from Indiana to Florida on some trip to see my grandpa. I had a two month old on a motor home. First of all, who does that? And then, but we got there and I just remember getting into the hotel at the time and turning on, it was the premiere of the show, Grey's Anatomy. I remember it like it was yesterday, which is wild. He's 16 now. Yeah, that makes sense, right? 2005, yeah. was it? Yeah, 2005. Yes. Yeah. So 2005. anyway, um, it's just everybody seems to have a story like that or how they connect with the show yeah. or how they remember times in their life yeah. because of the show. Yeah. So what is it like for you being just, you are that family. You live it, breathe it, sleep it. You know, it's, is it, does it, is you're so close that you almost forget or or are you constantly reminded because now you walk down the street and everybody and their brother. No. And it feels so much bigger. It feels so much bigger than us. And the truth is, is that I don't do anything. I don't go anywhere. (laughs) I like, I just feel like I'm so boring, honestly. I, like it's not, you know, I'm not getting, I mean, once in a while at the grocery store, maybe someone will recognize me, but until I go out, until we travel to Seattle and film, or I'm in a more public place. And then I, that's when I have moments of like, oh yeah, this is a huge show. But otherwise, honestly, I don't, it, it's, it's, it's separate for me because I was a fan of the show. And like in 2005, I was broke waitressing and I couldn't afford a car. So I was taking the bus to my restaurant every day. And I remember like the bus being late and being like, it's Thursday or whatever night it was. I don't even know. Like, but it was like, I'm missing Grey's Anatomy. So I have like those memories myself. And then it just feels like almost like a cut in time. Like it's a separate thing when I got on the show. So it almost was yeah. like two different shows to me. And no, I can't wrap my head around it. I'm sure at some point, 
later in my life, I'll realize the impact, but right now we're still in it, filming it. And I don't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you don't leave your house. Well, it's not like you have a lot of time on your hands either these days. Yeah. Um, I yeah. asked some of my following for, for some questions for you. I'm just going to ask you one because it okay. was the first and I actually thought it was quite funny. Um, someone asked, how does Jesse Williams smell? <laughs> oh, terrible. Just so terrible. Disgusting. Horrific. Um, he smells like success. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. It's Jesse Williams. He smells amazing. He I love that. I'm going to tell him that you, you asked me that. Yeah. If you would like to uh, adjust your, yeah, he can add his own two cents. If he would like to chime yes, in on how will, he smells. I, yeah, let us know. know. The fans are wondering. That's okay. really funny. I know. I was like, okay, that's good, but we will ask it. Um, I have to tell you what I did last night as I was um, preparing to speak with you today. I I watched Will and Kate, the movie, wow. Lifetime's Finest, last night. It is fresh on my mind. Wow. Wow. <laughs> It was baby Camilla. I mean, what? I mean, that was like 10 years ago. What are your memories of that? It's got to be more than 10 years ago. Um, I remember, well, first off, uh, it's my favorite cheesiest thing I've ever done. I still (laughs) love it. It's delicious. I embrace all the lifetimeness of it. Um, (laughs) I remember, here's the thing. I don't know if people know this about lifetime movies. Um, We, you shoot the movie in like two weeks and- Mm. And and so it's a very quick, you're working crazy hours and it's like this crazy, it was so fun. It was really fun. I've been just like hopping around shows before that. And it felt like I got to like really play with this real life person for like, you know, two and a half weeks. And I think that we just all embrace that, the cheese of it. I think we just yeah. all we were playing something really fun and it was around the time of the wedding. And then we flew to London the week of the wedding and did press for it. And it felt like we were kind of part of this fanfare that was happening. And um, I just have really great memories. I just remember also all of the, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm such a girl. I remember all the clothes. <laughs> <laughs> there were so many like, um, th- there were so many replicas of things that she wore. And so it was just really fun dressing up as her feeling very elegant during that time. Seeing as though you are from England, are you are you as obsessed as we Americans seem to be with all things royals? I mean, the Princess Diana obsession and now, you know, Meghan and Harry and everything that's developing with that. Honestly, I don't think I was. My mom was like a huge Princess Diana fan as everyone was. I was very young when she died. I was, God, I don't even know, maybe 12 or something. I was a year younger than Prince William. I'm a year younger than Prince William. So I was pretty young. So I didn't have like the attachment to Princess Diana. I appreciate, of course, her memory. And and, and she was inc- an incredible woman. But now I'm totally into everything happening because I'm just, I just love Meghan and Harry. Mm-hmm. I think that him speaking out about mental health just this week um, was incredible and showing EMDR um, was just so profound. So now I'm totally, I'm sucked into the whole thing. Mm, you're in, you're in, you're I'm in. in. I'm in. And speaking of being sucked in, um, the way that people binge and 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 are starved for every single episode of Grey's Anatomy, is there a show that you are like that about? Is there another show that you consume that you make, you know, it's like appointment viewing for you in your household? 
Well, it was Game of Thrones. It was mm. definitely Game of Thrones. And then I feel like there are just, I think that people do like go back and like, well, binge watch an episode of Grey's in the way that I still do with like The Office or Friends. Like I still like watch those shows, even New Girl. I was watching like one of the New Girl episodes last week. I want Jake Johnson on our show so badly um, to come be a doctor for us. But I think that I, I, I'm like back to like binging the old shows from like, you know, the 90s or the 2000s. Um, and probably in the same way that people do with Grey's. But right now, I feel like I don't watch anything other than like a Dateline episode. <laughs> <laughs> Just kind of like check out a little bit. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those, those are nice bite-sized things to, to digest. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, I know I don't have you forever. So I just wanted to kind of wrap up with some, some quick fire kind of just peppered questions for you and, and okay. you can answer. Um, oh, and this first one, um, I was married to a Brit once that was my second husband. I should tell you. Um, so I did spend a lot of time in London in particular, and I just had the best, best, best time there. So that, that, that's my lead into my first question, okay. which is for someone who has been there a lot, um, to London specifically, where is one place I should go in London when we are allowed to return there? Hmm. I don't know. This is a little bit outside of London, but my favorite place I can't wait to take my kids to, but I think adults is like amazing, is Hampton Court. Did you ever go there? I went to Hampstead Heath, the park. No, so Hampton Court is actually um, on beautiful grounds. It's where King Henry VIII lived. It's a huge, like, castle basically that you can go into and tour and it has I don't know if you're into ghost stories I love ghost stories so there's like you can apparently you can still hear the screams of Anne Boleyn running down this one particular hallway it's just you can go and visit and it's just incredible I feel like it's not super touristy but it's just a it's such an interesting part of our history so Hampton Court I can't wait to take the kids there when I eventually go back Oh, that's a wonderful tip. I have not heard of that. Thank you. Yes. Okay. I'm going to add that to the list, add it to the list. Um, for your next big role, if you were to play a superhero, <gasps> which one would you want to play? Well, um, I do the voice work for Zatanna and she's this really amazing witch. So I would pick Zatanna. Ah, okay, good. Uh, that'll come easy, easy enough for you. Yeah. What is the last book you read? Oh, it would be Untamed by Glennon Doyle. It's so yeah. good, isn't it? It's so good. I did the I did the book book. I did the audio book. I've I think yeah. I've done that one three times. Um, what was your very first job? Paid job? I worked for Zara for one day, and I hated it and quit. I'm just not good. I was not good at retail. And then I became a waitress for a million years and I was not a good waitress either. So I should have just stuck with it. But yeah, that was my, I like quit that same day. Did you quit there in person or did you wait till you got home and then called and quit? I got home and called and quit. At a girl. At least you let him know. I've, I've had a job and I just never showed up again, which is terrible. I think probably it was probably like my parents telling me I had to. <laughs> Yeah, I would have I would have easily just no-showed. <laughs> but you would have had all those good discounts, Camilla. I mean, think of the discounts. I know, I know. <laughs> it's the job that got away. I know, oh, you're right. Exactly, <laughs> oh my God. Um, where is your happy place? Mm, honestly, my house, just at home with my kids. I feel just like walking in my front door, I feel like at peace every time I come home. And then I do feel like, London at Christmas is like especially delicious, happy place. Feels like home. Mm. Me too. 
What is something that you think of to make yourself cry on cue as an actress? Wow. Huh. Hmm. Honestly, it's such a, it's like a very boring answer, but the truth is, is that like, I just, I, most of the time I just literally think of what Joe is going through. So whatever it is in the moment, but I do have to say there is an episode where Joe meets her mom and I used the conversation that I had with my mom because she hasn't, she's never met her mom. I did, what did help drive me through that is imagine that my mom was back and I was able to have a conversation of like, I missed you. Like you've missed so like, where have you been? And mm-hmm. so in that particular scene, that was a driving force me of like, this is my mom. Like she's back. I get to sit with her for 20 minutes. You know, what does that feel like? So that's one of them. But usually I just think of what she's going through. There are different methods to do everything. And I used to do something else, but now I know the character so well and she feels like part of me. I'm like, you know, that's what I think. Oh, it's so beautiful. I love that. I love that actually. And speaking of beautiful, my last question for you, and I like to ask all my guests, your definition of a beautiful day, what does it look like? Ugh, it's changed so many times, but right now a beautiful day is both my kids being happy, which feels like it's so hard to get my kids to both have just a solid day without something happening. That when I, when they put them down at night and both of them have had a great day, I just, that, that to me is like success. Spoken like a true mother. Oh, that's lovely. Well, congratulations on your gorgeous family and the killer success of Grey's not stopping anytime soon. And I just (laughs) appreciate you um, spending the time with us. Thank you so much, Camilla. So much. Thank you. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. And a reminder, you can catch a brand new episode of It Sure Is a Beautiful Day every Tuesday. Please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And of course, I'd love to hear from you. So leave me a rating and leave me a review. Also, follow us on social media for all the behind the scenes action and more info. That's at I am Kat Sadler on Instagram and at ABD with Kat. Talk to you next Tuesday. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.